If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 229. This is our 2022 Italian Open Plus Fortinet Championship Tips Podcast. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selections for this week's DP World and PGA Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit BigGamblerWare.org for more information and, of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world-famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. We've got two previews for both events this week. Tournament strokes gained analysis for the Fortinet. We've got tournament form stats, form charts, including combined course and current form, plus, of course, our PGA Tour and DP World Tour predictor models. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge. There is no paywall. On Twitter, Barry is at a good talk golf. Paul is at golf betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Uh, subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. We are completely dry on five-star reviews after I read out this next review. So it's down to you, listeners. If you write a review right now, I'm more than likely be reading it at the start of next week's show. So let's have some reviews, please. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Right. Love the the podcast. Five stars. Hello from Long Island, New York. Love your podcast. Been listening since the Masters Research podcast where Matsuama won. I bet him on my first ever golf bet. I love the format of the show and you all do a great job. I have a pressing question though. What on earth is an each way bet? I can never find them on my book and have no idea what they mean. So if you can explain that to a New York idiot like myself, that would be appreciated. That's from Lord Dawes, who is in on Long Island in New York. Thank you, Lord Dawes. Right, I'm going to pass it over to Paul. Explain, Paul, how an each-way bet works over here in the UK. Yeah, thanks, Lord Dawes. Um, yeah, it's odd, isn't it? We're so used to placing each-way bets over this side of the uh, Atlantic. It kind of gets... Um, Kind of gets lost sometimes, doesn't it? That uh, that uh, not all places in the world use it as a uh, as a standard. Essentially, an each way bet is two bets. So you're placing one bet on the win market and another one on a place market. So going back traditionally, I guess um, certainly for the last few years, um, an each way bet over here would have been um, five places each way um, and a quarter of the odds. So. If your player came in the top five, then you'd have got a quarter of the odds back as the uh, reward for having picked that player out, but you'd have lost the win part of the bet. So um, essentially two separate bets. That's kind of evolved over the last, well, 
three, four, five years, I guess. And uh, as we mentioned uh, in most of the pods, many bookies now are offering seven, eight, even ten places each way, a fifth of the odds, which seems to be the uh, the way mm. this has kind of gravitated over the last few years. Um, but yeah, the principle rela- uh, it remains the same. If your player comes within that um, uh, designated number of places, then you'll get a payout based on the uh, the divisor, which currently is one fifth of the odds generally. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. your win your win bet would clearly come in at say twenty to one for the win part of your bet, mm. and then that if you then if you came second or if it's eight places each way and you're you, you're in the top eight, you're getting a fifth of that twenty to one odds as your each way bet. Yeah, so that yeah. would be what four to one. Yeah, I mean the, the thing to note with it is if your player finishes second, um, it's absolutely no different payout to if you finish. Um, solo eighth, if you've got, you know, if you'd taken it with uh, eight places each way, for instance, so you don't get any additional compensation for a very near miss. Um, but equally, if you're going for a long shot and they can sneak into one of those uh, top eight positions or top ten or whatever it is that you're placing, um, whatever the terms are that you're placing it with, then uh, then the rewards can be quite uh, quite high. I guess it's just a, a mindset, isn't it? And uh, you know, we see a lot of comments from various people who bet in different ways and. A lot of punters won't take an each way bet below a certain threshold of price that they see in their own mind, whether that be 10 or 20. Or I've seen people say that they won't take each way bets on anything less than 50 to 1. And that's just because that's the way they they choose to punt. And each for their own. Each for their own. But yeah, interesting question. I hope that's um, explained in yeah. some uh, shape or form. Thank you, Lord Dawes. On to this week. Uh, first thing to say, Paul managed to scrag the BMW PGA champion last week, Shane Lowry, eighteen to one. Well done, Paul. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it, it was lovely to see him get over the line. I mean, it was first and foremost, it was great to see him continue with the tournament after the uh, after the sad passing of the the Queen on Thursday, which uh, and you know to Keith Pelly's. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who will um will have talked about the DP World Tour and talked about the the work that uh, Keith Pelly and his team do or don't do. And you know, for the detractors, I thought the the fact that they took a day out, um, you know, very respectfully, um, and then chose to continue over the weekend, reduced to fifty four holes, and got the tournament done in a very respectful manner. I thought was absolutely the right thing to do, and I think. I think they deserve some good credit for getting to that point. Uh, but yes, on to Shane, the masterclass, wasn't it? I mean, bogey free for fifty-four holes. You you can't uh, you can't ask much more for that. Uh, led the strokes gained tee to green stats. Hit over ninety percent of greens in regulation and uh, looked looked like a very very good winner. I mean, he did have the scare at the end from from Rory on that eighteenth hole, didn't he? But um, I think that putt just missed with me screaming at my TV, miss. <laughs> yeah, sure. Perhaps there was just that you know, gust of wind that managed to push that putt just to just to the right at the, at the end there. But uh, yeah, no, really pleased. Steve, you also um, talked about Hovland and Patrick Reed, who both snuck into the top eight. So, uh, so well done with those yeah. guys as well. I think I think we all know the recipe for Wentworth. I mm. mean, we had Horshaw, don't forget, 28 to 1 last year. Yep, yep. So, uh, as a podcast, we tend to we tend to cover Wentworth quite well. You know, such a positional golf course. Um, yep. 
you need to be a sort certain sort. You need to be a sort that's straighter than most, if you see what I mean. It's yep. not an outright power golf course, is it, by any way, shape, or form? It's you know a lot of a lot of holes. You're not even taking drive. You're going nowhere near driver. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because there are different ways to get there, and Patrick Reed um, is one of those players who finds a different way to navigate his way around that course. But mm. he's uh, he's got a great record there now. Do you enjoy it, Barry? I did. Yeah. Congratulations, Paul. You kept the faith, and I. Not that I lost the faith. I just didn't. Um, I just lost the ability to place a bet on him, which is mm. a bit sad. But it actually, it actually didn't take away from my enjoyment of his win at all. Um, it, Sunday was superb watching. I mean, oh yeah, with with the early with the early jump by Ram and Reed, just to kind of set the tone and kind of got you excited uh, for what was to come from the rest of the guys who had most of their rounds still to play. Uh, you couldn't ask for anything any better drama, really. I think the really cool thing about Wentworth, and I said this to a couple of friends and messages, that um, it gives me, watching on a Sunday gives me kind of echoes of the feelings I get when I'm watching Augusta on Sundays. Because yeah. you you know there's birdies to be made if the conditions are reasonably okay, which they were. And you are pretty familiar with the course, maybe not on the same level as you are with uh, Augusta but you know the course well enough that you know what's coming up and what the players have to face and what potential changes can happen to the leaderboard based on the holes. So it's, um, yeah, Sundays at Wentworth are really enjoyable to watch. It's yep. great, great to see Shane get that win. I mean, the, uh, a, I was saying, a, a win of that tournament for Rory wouldn't have necessarily changed his year very much, but the win for Shane meant everything to his year. So, um, I guess if you're trying to divide things out equally, like, yeah, I'm a supporter of both of them, I've kind of preferred Shane to get the win. So he has his win at the BMW now, and so does Rory. So, yeah, it was, um, it was pretty much a perfect uh, end to a great day. Yeah. No, no, very, very nicely summed up. Yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And, yeah, delighted to get a player over the line. I thought actually after the first eighteen holes, it was more likely to be Tommy Fleetwood who started really, really well um, and uh, shot eight under in the first round and just kind of went backwards from there, which was a bit odd. He lost the putter after at the start of his second round. It just it was making absolutely nothing and three putted from kind of three or four feet on one of the holes. It was um, it was a bit of a mess after that. But yeah, lovely to see Shane come through and. Um, those celebrations on uh, Sunday night looked like they were they're pretty good. Mm. <laughs> top top five now in the DP World Tour rankings. We're not yeah. a million miles away from the final in Dubai. McElroy at one, Victor at two, Will Zalatoris at three, Matt Fitzpatrick at four, and now Shane Lowry jumps to five. Yeah, should set not that up bad, nicely. Not, not, not a bad, not a bad little um, set of rankings there. Mm. Yeah, be interesting to see if Zalatoris comes across. Yeah, there's well, I don't know. We shall see. But if he's in that position, there's nothing else on that's pressing for for him that week. Then why not? Hmm. Peters, Fox, Moronk, JT, and Tristan Lawrence make out the top ten. Right. Let's talk Italian Open. I think we'll start with the Italian Open this week. Yep. On yes. to you, Paul. Yeah, let's do that. It's um, 
yeah, Italian Open, one of the oldest uh, events on the circuit, isn't it? It's been around in some capacity since, I think I wrote it in my preview, 1925 or thereabouts. Joined the fledgling European tour, as it was at the time, right at the start, back in 72. So, um, been around for a long time. It's hopped about from course to course, um, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, good to see a few of the leading names from last week sticking around, though. And that's probably because of the course. Um, Rory... This week's favourite, four to one, best price at the moment. So this price has had a little bit of a haircut since uh, since last week. Matt Fitzpatrick, ten to one. Victor Hovland, twelve to one. So that's virtually half the price he was at the start last week. Tyrrell Hatton, twenty-two to one. Francesco Molinari, same price, twenty-two to one. Adrian Moronk, thirty-fives. Fabrizio Zanotti, who played some nice stuff last week, forty to one. And 50 to 1 bar those players. So there's only seven players in the field who are less than 50 to 1. So some juicy prices further down the list, which is good to see. Um, eight places each way from Coral and Labrooks um, this week, as they have been doing for some time. Um, there's no prices for them on Odds Checker, but if you check their price or check their websites directly, all of the odds are there. Um, Bet365, again, as we've been saying, they have that each way extra proposition this week. So again, there's an eight places each way market, one fifth of the odds available if you so choose to go that route. Now, I talked about the course briefly. It's um, The reason it's important is it's the Marco Simone Golf and Country Club, which is the venue for next year's Ryder Cup. So for me... I guess there are a couple of reasons why the likes of Rory and Matt Fitz and Victor Hovland and Till Hatton are attending this week. Um, from Rory's perspective, I guess he wants to show some, you know, some further support for the for the DP World Tour and for for the um, for the work that they're trying to do at the moment and uh, to protect the integrity of the tour. I expect, but equally and perhaps more so, to get a look at uh, this course ahead of next year's Ryder Cup. Um, given they've only had this year and those who attended this event last year to see this course that sits just outside of Rome. Um, as I said, it held last year's event. If you're looking at the, um, the the event stats on the site this week, there's a little note on there. It's last year's data only for the Marco Simone. Before that, it was 1994 that they last time they played here. It's had a huge renovation since, so um, not that the 1994 date is going to be of major relevance or any relevance to this week's field, but um, the, the course has materially changed since that point. So look, if you're looking at data, look at last year's event only in that respect. Um, 7,268 yard par 71, uh, three par fives for the par 71, four par threes. It's not your typical tree-lined Italian track, though. Um, it's far more open. There's water in play. There's um, fescue rough, tricky contoured uh, bent grass, pure bent grass greens that were relayed as part of this um, renovation they did um, to get it rider cup ready um, a few years ago. So it's not your typical kind of... Uh, they're never claustrophobic, the Italian tracks, even the ones with the uh, that are... Um, you know, tree line there's usually a bit of width off the tee but uh, far less trees on this one far more exposed which uh, gives it a little bit of a, a different feel to a typical Italian track um, in terms of the weather this week um, we've got the potential for a bit of disruption actually Thursday and Friday checking my um, weather app this morning looks like there's going to be the potential for some thundery showers on Thursday and Friday 
uh, could disrupt play, could soften the course. We'll have to wait and see. You never quite know with these showers. If if it's hit and miss, they, they might arrive, they might not. We shall see. Uh, low 80s in terms of Fahrenheit for the first couple of days. Cools a little bit over the weekend, but settles down over the weekend as well. 10 to 15 mile an hour winds. Thursday, Friday, again, it drops off a little bit over the weekend. I guess if we do see some of these storms or weather systems blow through then the winds associated with those storms are likely to be a little bit higher so there's always the chance that your player gets caught in a you know a, a nasty spell of weather out there and uh, that could scupper a hole or two but uh, not the kind of thing you can preempt when you're sitting here on a, a monday or a tuesday just gotta ride with the punches and that kind of stuff um Let's talk about some of the previous winners. I know we've talked about different courses, but it does give us an idea of where you might want to be pitching your staking plan this week. Uh, 2010 was Frederick Anderson Head, 66 to 1. 2011, Robert Rock, 66 to 1 again. Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño won in 2012 at 40 to 1. Julian Cairn, 80 to 1 in 2013. We were on Cairn that week. For a nice juicy win. 2014 was Henny Otto at 80 to 1. Uh, Ricard Karlberg, 70 to 1, 2015. You're probably getting the, a feel of the prices already. Uh, 2016, Francesco Molinari, 25 to 1. Till Hatton, 18 to 1 in 2017. Then it was Theorbjorn Olsen, 80 to 1 in 2018. And Bernd Wiesberger in 2019 at 35 to 1. Ross McGowan, 750 to 1. In 2020, I don't think I've, I've read a bigger price out for a winner uh, for some time. 750 to 1 Ross in 2020 and 2021 last year, Nikolai Hogard, no price. He was a very late entry into the field. I didn't see a pre event price quoted for him. I might be wrong, there might have been a bookie or two put a price out for him, but um, he would have been an absolute skinner for the bookies last year if no pre event price was quoted for him and it was all in play. And by the time his price probably went up in play, I expect he was already showing some uh, some signs of uh, decent form. So that was definitely not a week for the for the punters um, here last year with Nikolai Hogard winning um, as a late uh, late invite as he was to the uh, to the tournament. Um, so if we're looking at stats again, you've only really got last year to go on. Um, Hogard he was sixth for greens and regulation, first for scrambling. If you're looking at old numbers. Um, Fleetwood came second um, alongside Adrian Moronk. Moronk, firstly, third for greens and regulation, fifth for scrambling, so very similar. Now, you might expect a similar kind of set of numbers from Fleetwood, but actually it was his putter last year, um, which was working, and the rest of his game seemingly wasn't. Fifth for putting, eighth for scrambling. So the only consistent number out of those three was scrambling. Um, but then Hogard and Moronk both hit a lot of greens as well. If you translate that into strokes gained, Hogard was first for strokes gained off the tee, first for strokes gained tee to green. Moronk, eighth for off the tee, fourth for tee to green. So I guess if you're looking for the consistent number, it's probably strokes gained off the tee, probably strokes gained tee to green, and probably scrambling as well for the other consistent point. I say probably because we've only got one year's worth of data to go with, so it's always a danger to assume that everything's going to be as you were. 12 months further on but I don't think this course is a pushover I mean if you look at winning prices or winning um, scores rather Hogard was 13 under uh, Fleetwood Moronk was 12 there were only seven players who finished um, double digits under par so you know it's kind of verging on a on a tough 
technical style test maybe just just a slightly it's just slightly easier than that but not a massive amount i guess uh, again if you dig through the the winners most of them um mcgowan excluded he's the big exclusion for all of this kind of stuff most winners here are the top 10 finish in their last 10 starts a little bit of incoming forms useful but when you're picking out players and there were a lot that i read through there who in that kind of 66 through to 80 to one bracket Generally, the um, the form won't be absolutely screaming at you if you've got a player at that kind of number. That kind of number, so um, that would probably explain a few of these. Um, lots of multiple winners at the Italian Open in the past, but again, we're talking about a different course here, a different style of course, really. So, how relevant any of the pre twenty twenty one Italian Open data is this week is debatable really I've not put a massive amount of uh, credence in it personally but it's all there on the site if you want to have a dig through and see if you can find any any nuggets out uh, for me I think you need a level of control here um, you need to be able to handle a relatively um, challenging course 13 under as I say winning totals it's no pushover focus in my view on strokes going off the TT to green and a decent enough short game be interesting to see the course again you know we'll start to get acquainted with it won't we ahead of next year's Ryder Cup um, and uh, be able to see the kind of, I think it's good it, you know it should, it should be more of a risk reward setup when they come to this in 12 months time but I think the course that the guys will see this week will be relatively challenging uh, so balling all down same kind of dilemma to last week isn't it with the the boys at the very top of the market. I mean, we've got no no, no John Rahm this week. We've got no Shane Lowry. So the prices are a little bit shorter about the boys at the top. Um, Rory, four to one. I, you know, I, I did toy for a while to uh, just put all my eggs in one basket and just go the lot on Rory this week to win a four to one because undoubtedly he could win. Um, and if he's anywhere near his best I think he probably does but can you I can't get excited about four to one on a play on a full field event I, I don't know what about you boys would you would you contemplate taking Rory on at that kind of price not personally yeah. no but they could make I mean I, the, the odds are probably right it's you know you run the tournament four times I think he wins one of them like, yeah but it's just not um, betting is fun for me, and that's not a fun sweat for the no. week. No, no, it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, he talked about how well he was playing after the after the event. You know, he congratulated Shane and had his had his chat after um, after the tournament had finished, and I think he feels that he's playing some really really good golf at the moment. So. Um, if he's anywhere near his best, first look at the course. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I had it been a little bit longer, perhaps seven to one, um, then I might have been interested. But you're never going to get seven to one about a player of his quality, um, particularly when you've taken the likes of John Rahm or Shane Lowry out of the market. So, um, so yeah, I'll leave him alone. Matt Fitz, um, he still looks a little bit out of sync. I thought last week, um, I can leave him alone. Now, Victor Hovland, I. Coming into the final day, I suspected that Hovland was going to win, um, but he's just started hitting everything left, didn't he? I, I don't know where that kind of came from. It was um... he struggled off the tee all for a long, long time. Yeah, it's interesting. It? He was seventy seventh off the tee last week. But yeah, Wentworth. And you're saying this this feel this feels quite driver heavy. This course, just based on one renewal. 
you, you've got long hitters that were gaining lots of strokes off the tee. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, Hovland can't afford to be 77th this week and clearly have his miraculous approach play like he did last week and afford, you know, if you're if you're you're basically taking on Rory with one hand tied behind your back on that basis around this course. Yeah, no, I think so. I think yeah, to to go as you said, I I expect the winner to be probably top five strokes going off the tee. So to see someone have such a dramatic turnaround would be, um, you know, he'd have to find something pretty significant on the on the range to to even get close to that. So so yeah, I've left those three alone. And the first player I've backed. Um, is Francesco Molinari twenty two to one with the bet three six five eight places each way option? Now with Molinari, great record in his homeland. We know that two wins on two different courses for the Italian Open. He's got a third, um, a runner up finish on the third course as well over the years. Fifty second here last year, which may explain why his price is a little bit longer. Now he was top twenties at a halfway point. He wasn't fit last year. He was coming back for some back problems. Um, I think he was just trying to see how you know test his fitness at that point. And um, he played the Italian Open, but wasn't right. So you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let him off for for that effort. I don't think there's anything to read into that. And for him, he's keen to get his oh, he's super keen to get his Ryder Cup qualification off to a flying start. And he said before. Um, before the the Ryder Cup was postponed from 2022 to 2023, he said before that playing this one at home you know, effectively would be the summit of his career, as he, the words that he used. So super motivated, off to a good start in that respect last week with a ninth place finish at Wentworth. Now that followed up a 15th place finish at the Open Championship on his previous start. So some good incoming form. Last week's stats, 14th for strokes going off the tee, 10th for approach, 6th for strokes going tee to green. That's much more like what we expect from Francesco Molinari. Um, if his long game's looking good, we know he can perform um, on his home on the home soil. Um, yeah, I, I very much like his chances this week, Francesco at 22s. Also backed Antoine Rosa. You could see the Ryder Cup this year potentially reinvigorating Francesco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. On the basis that clearly it's going to be in his homeland yep. next year. No, absolutely. I think that's absolutely the case. Um, yeah, as I say, very much stated that that would be a a huge target for him. So uh, I think he'll go well this week. I really do. Um, Antoine Rosnarov backed at fifty-five to one again with eight places each way. Now he was fiftieth last week, and that kept a lid on his price to a certain degree. Um, open with bogey bogey, closed with 39 strokes on the back nine. So bad start, bad finish. In between that, he was bogey free, played some really nice stuff. Um, threatened a top 10 finish at one point as well. He was playing so nicely before it all kind of fell away on the final nine. So I can forgive him that. Prior to that, his numbers were really, really eye-catching. 13th for the Czech Masters. He was first for strokes going approach that week. He was first for strokes going tee to green. He was fourth at Cranstorcier. He was first for strokes gain off the tee that week. Second for strokes gain approach. First for strokes gain tee to green. Those long game stats really just slap you around the face when you look at them. And yeah, it wasn't quite there last week. I get that. But we're getting a premium on his price relative to this field, I think. Uh, 55 to 1. We know he can win. Um, 52nd, again, he was tied in the same position as Molinari last year. But overall, really strong record in Italy at all levels. Um, I'll just I'll read through his record because it really is quite good. 
in all levels. He's finished 10th, 18th, 9th, 4th, 4th, 11th, miscut 4th, 10th, and then last year's effort here. So um, really strong record on Italian soil. soil. Um, slightly tougher test this week. I think that really does suit Antoine Rosner. So quite like his chances this week. Also quite like the chances of Masahiro Kawamura, the Japanese player. Slightly longer price, 66 to 1. I took with Unibet six places each week. Um, but it looks very much to me like a DP World Tour winner in waiting. Um, and I know you've been on him a few times in the recent past, Barry, and quite rightly so, I think. He's, uh, he's looking like he's one of those players who's very much got a win in him. Um, now, he won on the Asian, or it was a co-sanctioned Asian-Japan Tour win back in 2013. That's his only professional win of any note. Five more runner-up finishes at that level, twice a runner-up on the DP World Tour. Fifth here last year. Uh, long, game, long game really impressed last year. And his strokes gained off the tee numbers. Again, that key stat. They've been really strong of late, been really progressive. Um, that's fueled finishes of 14th at the Hero, 9th at the uh, Amiga Masters at Crans, 22nd at Himaland, and 18th last week at Wentworth. Good consistent play, 66 to 1. Great each way shot, I think. Um. And then a couple of longer shots, a couple of three-figure chances to finish. Both of them 100 to 1, both seven places each way with Paddy Power. I took these. At first was Yost Loughton. Um, I was sticking with Yost. Um, well, Yost looked like toast, didn't he, after three, well, five holes last week. I just he love was, that. <laughs> he was. I'd, uh, I'd almost given up on it at that point. Um, it was three over through five. Um, which really isn't what you're looking for to start your event off. But he recovered well. He made 17 birdies from that point in the remainder of his two and a half rounds. Um, and standing on the 12th tee on Sunday, um, I had a 200-1 ticket on him. He was in the tied seventh place standing on the uh, the tee for the par five. And I was thinking, well, decent finish from here, Yost, and uh, you could sneak into one of those uh, top eight positions for me. Um, and of course, he bogeyed that par five didn't make anything else coming home from there and that was the end of that finished tied 23rd but you know i i saw a lot to like in um in his stats i saw a lot to like in his game as well um hit over 80 percent of greens in regulation again that's exactly where we expect uh yost to be a bit more progress with a putter as well last week which was good 18th here last year um, a couple more top five finishes in the italian open in the past as well lots to like for yost Loughton at 100 to 1 um, and finally, the other one I've backed is John Catlin. Again, as I said, same price, 100 to 1, seven places each way. Tougher scoring should suit the American this uh, this week, I think. Um, only seven players, as I mentioned before, got into double digits under par last year. And that's right in John Catlin's wheelhouse, in my view. Twice a winner in the month of September. So if you believe in buyer rhythms, and I do like to have a little look at uh, players' months that they've won in in the past, just to see if there's any patterns. Just won twice in September in the past, which uh, which bodes well for this week. And all three of his wins have come on relatively tricky tracks. Uh, 14 under was the deepest that he's won at, and that feels absolutely perfect for this course, in my view. Recently, second going into Sunday at Gal Gorham, that was last month. Uh, ninth going into Sunday at Himaland as well. So he's been in the mix quite recently. Missed the cut on the number last week, um, which no disgrace really. He was three under through 18, uh, 36 holes. So that's, that's, you know, there or thereabouts. He was 24th here on debut 12 months ago. Uh, so a decent sighter of the course. 
And if it is relatively tricky this week, I don't think it's going to be a birdie fest. If, it's, if there's a little bit of grinding that needs to be done from time to time, then John Catlin is your man, I think. Um, so that's my five. Catlin, Loughton, Kawamura, Antoine Rosner and Frankie at the top. Any from you, Barry? I bet you're on Kawamura, aren't you? No. You're not? No, no, he's all yours. <laughs> oh dear. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know. Something about him just doesn't scream like goes out and grabs wins. But then again, I haven't been exactly picking um, trophy lifters for the last while. So, uh, I yeah. Um, I've landed on a few others. I've uh, just gone for some long shots this week. Um, not really keen on touching the top of the market. Uh, Hovland had the lefts going with the driver on Sunday. That's going to take a, just a little bit of figuring out. Uh, and what you've said about Fitzy and Rory, just you know, for the various reasons, not not too interesting a bet for me. Mm. So I've dropped quite a little bit down and started with uh, Guido Migliozzi. Yep. Three three nice solid rounds last week. And uh, yeah, deciding where to back him, whether it be 365 or um, how many places... But he's, I can get 75 to 1, 8 places, or 80 to 1, 10 places, which is 1 seventh. So I'll f- I, might, I might do a split or something like that. Um, moving on from Guido, the next uh, I'm looking at is Dan Housing. Or Housing, I don't know how to pronounce the, yeah, the housing, Dutch yeah. surname. Yep. Yeah, um, so he is 140 to 1, 8 places, or 140 to 1, 10 with the reduced uh, one seventh, um, and then the last who didn't play last last player who didn't play last week and is looking for his first uh, European Tour win, I believe, is Xander Lombard, and he's one sixty to one eight places or one seventy to one ten. Mm. Certainly digging a little bit deeper down the market, Barry. I can see that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, with I Gita, mean, you, you, sorry, go. So just the, the one thing is like this course has only been effectively played once in its current guise by everybody. So the the newer guys on tour won't or you know won't be as, at such a disadvantage of less experience on the course than the the mm. experienced uh, vets. So um, I think it kind of gives them a, a, a slightly better chance than they might ordinarily have. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there's. Uh... The scope for the, the, the scope for someone a bit further down the field to win this week, if it's not just a procession from from Rory, which is the uh, mm. which is the fear this week. But uh, let, let's let's hope that's not the case. Let's hope he, he comes along, has a good look at the course, and uh, and decides to let someone else take home the trophy. But yeah, onto uh, Guido. Guido, I think it, it, you never quite know with him, but he's certainly capable of uh, of winning the golf tournament. Um, and uh, you know, pops up against some big players and some big events every now and again. So. Um, yeah, interested to see how he going. As you said, decent, uh, decent show last week. The, the Rory McIlroy. Pl- oh, sorry, Barry. Sorry, I was just on on the same subject. It's like Paul, if you want to back Rory, just wait to see if he has a a, a whoopsie on the first hole. Yeah, like you did at East Lake. You know, then you yeah. might get your seven to one. <laughs> yeah, see, that, yeah. that's that, that's split, always split the- your stake. I, I I don't mind that play. A little bit, <laughs> little bit pre-play, and then. Keep a little bit back, yeah, and you might find know. he has a sluggish start. Get a slightly better number, and then get on it. 
with your second part of your stake. I get that. Yeah, I mean, even then the bookies don't. There's there's no gifts, is there? They're, you know, he starts starts badly. They they might drift his price out a little bit. But so, but yeah, no, it's fair, fair point. I'll um, I think I've made. I think I've set my stall out to kind of oppose him this week. So uh, I, mm. yeah, let's let's hope that's the case. I think on the data golf website, Rory McIlroy is the number one player in the world by a margin. I saw a tweet this morning about it. It's he's like half a point above anyone else. Mm. He's also a historian of golf, clearly loves the competitive side of golf, loves Open Championships, loves loves National Opens. He has won the Australian Open, the Canadian Open twice, Hong Kong Open, Irish Open, the Open Championship, the US Open, and he finished second in the South African Open, losing in a playoff to Graham Storm. I think he's going to win. So McElroy is going to be the Italian Open champion to add to that list. Just the way he's motivated. He's saying the course is about driving. It's about high quality driving to a certain extent. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put a quantity on um, on McElroy, I think. I love two in the mid pack. I love Antoine Rosner. I think that's a cracking tip from you. Um, he's just been driving the ball and hitting his approaches yeah. so close recently. He just can't buy a putt. Yeah. But this doesn't, you know, if if this is going to be eleven to thirteen under, I don't think it's going to be a putting contest. No. The the other one I like when it gets technical and when scoring's difficult is Kurt Kitayama. Yeah, I think Kurt Kitayama's been playing some really nice golf recently. Second in Mexico, he was second at the Scottish Open. Third at the Honda Classic over in Florida in um, February, which, as we know, is really tough and technical. 19th at the BMW Championship a few weeks ago, which, you know, that's a 68-man field of the highest quality. And he was hovering around that top 10 last week, pretty much for the first two rounds. And then the thing with Kirk Kitayama is he struggles with low scoring. But he's been driving the ball quite nicely. I, I think Kitayama could be a real danger this week. Down at, uh, I'm seeing fifty to one. Yeah. With bet three six five. Yeah. No, it's um. There's. I, I did look at him. There's. There's quite a lot of good high quality, as you said. Um, finishes. Did I, I read really he had a top a top finish in Italy at some stage? He was. Oh yeah, third uh, in 2019 on a different course. Yeah, yeah. It was a different course, but yeah, it, I, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that that's any. Yeah, there's some relevance there. Yes, it's not course specific relevance, but it's uh, you know relevance in 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 the region, which um, isn't isn't a isn't a terrible thing to have in your CV. I don't think so. Yeah, I can see him going well, Steve. I couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't argue with that. <laughs> I am the kind of guy that puts a lump on uh, the USA to win the Presidents' Cup at five to one on. <laughs> so four to four to one on Rory. Rory. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad bet. Well, I, I do agree with Barry. You might get a bit of value in play early on Thursday. You could um, double them up, Steve. That would give you an extra twenty percent on your uh, on your on your Rory stake. And if you've got a couple of decent forty fifty to one chances in there, I, I think Rosner's a great shout. I, I I also do like the the look of Kitayama. Hmm. So yeah, that's who I'm going to go for. Very good. Sure. Should we move over to the start of the PJ mm, Tour? Do it. Fortinet Championship. Uh, the traditional start of this um, PJ Tour schedule where they start it in the fall. I think this is the last year, though, from what I'm reading. I'd suggest that 
2024 they'll start um, the actual tour at the Century Tournament of Champions. Yeah, yeah they've, they've mentioned it, haven't they, without any mm. any specific details. But yeah, I think that uh, yeah, there'll be a little bit of adjustment um, at one point when they work out how to actually manage that. And then once it's aligned, calendar year makes a lot of sense to me, I think. I think so. They play this up in Napa Valley. So you read all the... Oh, yes, I've been to the wine vineyard. and um, It's always very dry up here in this part of Northern California. This year's no different. Very, very little rain. It's the North Course. It's Silverado Resort and Spa. Trent Jones Jr., 1966, original with a, with a Miller redesign in 2011. Clearly, Johnny Miller's got a stake in the course. Um, it's classical, tree-lined, but the scoring here, it's, it tends to be very, very gettable. Um, it's a par 72 at 7,123 yards, which screams, um, come and get me on the PGA Tour. Uh, and that tends to be what happens. 19 under Max Homer last year. Stuart Sink, 21 under. Cameron Champ, 17 under. I think the last 36 holes of Champ's victory played quite firm and fast. And then prior to that, Tway, 14 under. Steel, 15 under. 18 under. Um, just looking at the forecast, the lack of wind, I, I, I think it's going to be 18 to 20. If you're if you're eighteen to twenty under par, you're going to be right in the in the uh, the fight on Sunday afternoon. Um, not a lot to talk about really in terms of the golf course. It is tree lined. Um, there might there might even be the odd Wentworth kind of connotation in there. The greens are six thousand two hundred square feet, so a bit bigger than Wentworth. They're bent grass with Poana, so there's a mix. Uh, kind of 50 Ben, 50 Poana. Um, so I'm always looking for co- players that are comfortable on Poana greens, especially, you know, some previous West Coast force form. And we saw that with Max Homer last year, didn't we? Max Homer had won at Riviera Country Club yep. in February, came here at 60 to 1. You looked at his form line, it wasn't overly brilliant. Um from memory, let's just have a quick look. I think his form line, uh, what did it read? 63rd at the BMW, 47th at the Northern Trust, 51st at the World Golf Championship at St. Jude, and 40th at the Open Championship. And he was very, very popular at 60 to 1. Badly enough, he beat my selection, um, which was, um, who did I have? Maverick McNeely. And the year before, I had Harry Higgs. Who got pipped by Stuart Sink at 110 to one? Yeah, yeah. Third time. So I tend, I, I, yeah, I had Sam Burns out. I, I tend to, I tend to have a bit of a read on this event. I tend to get someone very close to the mix. So hopefully that kind of carries over this week. Fair, fairways are pretty difficult to hit. They're only 24 yards wide. Uh, that compares to 25 yards wide at East Lake a few weeks ago. Um, I don't think it's a major problem if you miss fairways. The rough's never that long, never that tough here. Uh, you could get blocked by trees and whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a nice golf course. It's a good, it's a good way to start the year or the season on the PGA Tour. This is what always gets me. It's the um, using the different terminology of years and seasons. 
Um, it's all over the place on the PGA Tour. It has been for years. Right. Field. Not the best, but I've seen worse. Matsuama and Max Homer are joint favourites at 16-1. to 1. Corey Connors at 18-1. to 1. You're getting a President's Cup feel straight away, especially internationals at this. Maverick McNeely has been backed in. The biggest price I'm seeing is 28-1 to 1 with Unibet, six places each way on McNeely. Um, I'll go on to him because I'm tipping him again. He is such a specialist. Um, specialist, it's unbelievable, McNeely. Then we've got the likes of Tigala at 30 to 1 with Unibet. Uh, Taylor Pendrith, he's available at 28 to 1. Cam Davis at 33s, Davis Riley 35s, and then we're out to 40 to 1s, the likes of Emiliano Grio. Well, we know that I won't be backing him. Brendan Steele at 50s, and Taylor Montgomery, who I've mentioned a few times on the podcast. Be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, a Corn Ferry grad who hits it as long as you like. I believe he was 11th at the Farmers Insurance Open this year. Uh, so he's got a bit of California form already. 50-1 to 1 on Taylor Montgomery. Um, Taylor, Tom Hoagie's up there as well. Uh, he's a 50, 50 to 1 chance with 10 bet, but everywhere else you're getting 40 to 1s or 33s on Tom Hoagie, who won at Pebble Beach this year. What do I look for? Um, it's interesting what you mentioned about Rome, that, um, or the, the course in Italy, that the, the top three are all in the top 20, was it, for driving distance? They were, yeah. yeah. It's a similar kind of th- vibe here. If I, t- if I take the tournament skill averages of the champions here going back to Sang Moon Bay in 2014 when they played this for the first time, driving distance averages out at 17th across the field. So upper quartile mm. drivers in yeah. terms of distance is what we're looking for, ideally. Homer was 24th for DD, Sink 11th. Cameron Champ, well, you can guess he was first and he was. <laughs> Kevin Tway 14th. Brendan Steele, two wins here, first and 23rd. So ideally, you want someone that can can hit the ball a long way. And that's always something I build into my player selections. Um, Driving accuracy, 19th, which is quite straight for the PJ Tour. Greens and regulation, 16th, which is quite low. Scrambling, 8th, which is quite high for the PJ Tour. So you've got to have a decent short game here. Putting average, 30th. Hmm. So team no putt, not a problem. Sounds quite similar in a lot of ways to the Italian uh, Italian mm. challenge this week as well. If you look at it from off the tee, uh, strokes gained, going back to Brendan Steele 2016. So that's Steele, Steele, Tway, Champ, Sink and Homer. Strokes gained off the tee, 11th. Strokes gained on approach, 11th. Strokes gained around the green, 25th. Tee to green, 4th. Strokes gained putting, 18th. So yeah. I never see this as a putting contest. Um, I, I'm liking the look of longer drivers of the golf ball. I'm looking at guys that have a history of doing well on the West Coast swing. And some ideally some Poana or bent Poana form in there as well. And I said to you off mic earlier this morning, Paul, 
you don't tend to get winners of this that have got absolutely shining form. Like I said, Homer was one of those. Stuart Sink the year before, miscut the Wyndham, 46th of the 3M, 62nd at Memorial. You know, it's not shouting to you he's no. about to win a PGA Tour tournament. He's clearly out there because he was a 200 to 1 winner. Even Cameron Champ the year before, 28th at the Sanderson, 65th at the BMW, 21st at Northern Trust. Miscut of the Wyndham. Mm. Kevin Tway, 43rd at the Dell Technologies, which was TPC Boston, 56th at the Northern Trust, 11th at the Wyndham, 23rd at the Barracuda. I'm not seeing anyone winning this who'd had a top 10 recently on the PGO Tour. Emiliano Grio, he came off winning the web.com, as it was called back then, final. Yeah, it was that 2015, wasn't it? 2015, yes. So for me, players that have been can hit the ball a distance, players who have been just about hanging around in recent tournaments but haven't put it all together. Um, I noticed with Homer last year on my strokes gained analysis, he was prevalent on approach. He was in the top 10 in the field. He was in the top 20-odd for strokes gained tee to green, but actually in terms of overall scoring, he wasn't in the top 25 of my scoring matrix. It's that kind, you're kind of scratching just beneath the surface to try and find some players that are right for this, Mm. rather than players that are just banging you in the forehead saying, you know, back me. Um, I could have made a case for quite a few. Taylor Pendris, really obvious, Cam Davis... Don't forget, those two are off to play in the President's Cup next week. That, to me, could be an issue about focus and are they going to be right? You know, can you win your first, in the case of Pendrith, can you win your first PJ Tour title the week before you know you're about to disappear off to Quail Hollow and play in a high-profile President's Cup? That's the kind of question I was asking myself. Um, but, you know, looking at their numbers, they fit a treat, fit an absolute treat for this golf course. Wyndham Clark's another one I had a good close look at. You know that I'm quite sweet on Clark. Um, his game fits perfectly, the distance off the tee, the, the going for the green, aggressiveness. Um, he's one that I did have a close look at. Um, I even had a look further down the betting at Brandon Wu. 125 to 1, I'm seeing with a couple of ferns on Brandon Wu. He, he he was at Stanford. He's a California guy um, as being mixing it towards the top of leaderboards over this year. But for me, to win this, he just wasn't quite long enough off the tee. Uh, Martin Laird, if you're looking for some experience, I think there's worse bets than Laird out at 110 to 1. I've gone for the following, though. I'll do it in reverse order. Why not? I am going for a friend of the podcast, James Hahn. I managed to get 125 to 1, eight places each way. All of my bets, by the way, are with Bet365 on their each way extra facility. So if that tells you anything, it tells you something, doesn't it? Because, you know, we're fans of that on the podcast. So as we keep saying, Bet365, their each way extra facility. I just love the eight places each way of 50 odds. I got I got the market leading prices on all five of my selections this week with Bet365. As ever, I will put a link 
through to their new customer offer in the podcast description. Right, James Hahn. Now, Barry will tell you this. I, I go a long way back on the PGA Tour. I loved it. I loved his Gang Nang style back at the 2013 Waste Management Phoenix Open. Um, just catch it on YouTube. He's always been the sort that plays well in California, plays well in Hawaii, plays well in Nevada, plays well out at Las Vegas as well, uh, Arizona down for the Phoenix um, event. Second at the Sony Open in 2018, fourth at the 2013 Humana Challenge, which Bob Hope Lottery, PJ West. He's finished third at Pebble Beach in 2013, and of course, he won at Riviera Country Club in 2015. He's also got four top 17 finishes in Scottsdale and two top 20 finishes in Summerlin. And we've just been seeing with James Hahn, and again, I know what you two are going to say, oh, but James Hahn only wins off five or six straight miscuts, which is true. But he's been he's finished ninth at TPC Potomac, ninth at TPC Craig Ranch, which was the Byron Nelson. And a few outings ago, he was fourth at the 3M Open, played at TPC to win cities. So there's been... That, for James Hahn, is some form. He got himself into the top 20, 125 on the FedEx Cup. Mission accomplished. And then since then, miscut 47-61. So it's yeah, not exactly that's... stellar form, but there's there's signs there that he's playing well. There's a couple of good rounds in there as well. I mean, there was two, uh, two rounds of 65 at the Wyndham Championship. He, he, oh, yeah, no, sorry, yeah. There was two rounds of 65 across both uh, Sedgefield on Saturday and Southwind on Thursday. So there's, he's been putting together some decent scoring, but hasn't just amalgamated into an overall um, an overall tournament. No. But there's enough there for me. He's long off the tee. He's aggressive with his going for the green. And we know that he can win out in the West Coast. And he's comfortable in Poana. Mm. So I thought 125 to 1 was a great price on James Hart. He can he can win off any kind of form, and um, yeah, perhaps there's a changed man, Steve. Perhaps there's some consistency starting to come through into his game, and uh, but yeah, the, the the flip side is you know he can win when everything aligns, everything clicks that one week. Um, he can go out and beat whatever kind of field that is presented in front of him. So yeah, quite know. the average winning price, by the way, boys, for this tournament is. Uh, if I go all the way back to 2010, it's 84 to one, and if I go from the split season. It's eighty-eight to one, mm. so Homer at sixty to one, Sink at two hundred to one, Cameron Champs won this at one hundred and fifty to one, Kevin Tway sixty-six to one. Now it's not a favourite to row here, is it? No. And we have had some great players playing this tournament. McElroy's played here. Justin Rose, when he was really strong, played this. Matsu Armas played it a number of times. John Rahm was in this last year, and everyone was going, "Oh, he four to one on Rahm." It's like printing money. Nowhere near. So we have had decent players in this. They just don't tend to win it. You know, turning up at the Fortinet Championship just after the Tour Championship, are the are the elites of the game really switched on to winning a tournament like this? Well, results tend to suggest they're not. So I, I'm fishing in slightly deeper waters, which takes me to, and I'm expecting some grief for this. It takes me to Jason Day, who I've got at sixty to one. Eight places each way with Bet365 on their each way extra facility. If you want a guy that plays well in California, Jason Day is out there, isn't he? First twice at Torrey Pines. He's had a second, a third there, and two additional top nine finishes at Torrey Pines. Pebble Beach, well, how the guys never won there, I never know. Second, 
fourth three times and a fifth with three additional top seven finishes at Pebble, Pebble Beach. You can throw fourth at the 2020 PGA Championship played at TPC Harding Park into that mix as well. So California, Jason Day, that's a real sweet spot for him. Yes, I know he's Mr. Sick, no. But there's even been signs with Day, 17th at the Rocket Mortgage Classic in late July. He actually opened with an opening 67 at the Wyndham, where he was two and a half strokes positive from tee to green. And then, of course, he withdrew, blaming flu symptoms. And then at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, he shot an opening round 65. He was in the top eight after round one, and then shot a 74 to miss the cut. But that's what you're getting with Jason Day, 60 to 1. He reminds me kind of like... He's like your Stuart Sink bet. Someone that after the event, if Jason Day won this, you'd go, Jesus Christ, it was so obvious. He, he absolutely tears up golf in California. There were, there were the odd signs of life. But I'm not going to back him because it's Jason Day and he's nowhere near as good. He's sick, no. He's always got a bad back, flu, and he makes all these excuses up. And then one week, it might just all click. Um, he's actually sitting in the top 20 for both... Um, a pr- um, for T to green over the last eight weeks in my analysis. That's why I picked him. I kept seeing Jason Day in everything I looked at. Results, strokes gained, performances. And in the end, you look at it and you go, I can't just keep going past Jason Day's name and ignoring it. Mm. So I thought 60 to 1, not a bad price. Bear in mind, he finished third at the Farmers Insurance Open back in January. He's that kind of specialist. So yeah. I'm on... 125 on Hahn, 60 to 1 on Jason Day. I've also put in there Troy Merritt at 55 to 1. Now, Troy Merritt isn't the longest, I grant you. But again, he's just been showing flashes recently and he plays this golf course really, really well. And the key number that I keep seeing on Troy Merritt is he is gaining tons and tons of strokes off the tee because he's just about over average in length, but he's hitting. Arrow straight drives right now. Absolutely arrow straight. And his form around here, 15th, 4th and 16th um, in his last six appearances. And they could have been much, much better, those results. He was 4th after 36 holes in 2016 when he finished 15th. And he was 3rd after 54 holes here last year. He eventually finished 16th. But I think Merritt's in, a, in, in, a, in really good nick. I, I noted him a few weeks ago at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, that major championship depth field. He was second going into the weekend. He was fifth going into Sunday. And then he played with Sung J.M. on this Sunday and it all got a bit too much. But this isn't the FedEx St. Jude Championship. This is the Fortinet Championship. So I think merits a decent shout at 55. So I'll stop there because I know you guys are, are bound to have players in, this, in these deeper waters before I go on to my top two. Barry, what about you? I'll go from the deepest I have. Um, Callum Tarrin. Mm-hmm. Can uh, send it way out there. Um, yeah. Has been just popping his head up around leaderboards for, um, you know, and has caught our, our attention over the last few weeks. So at 125 to 1, this is, um, you know, the first event of the year. He'll be wanting to get off to a cracking start. I he, think um, so. 
Yeah, he missed the cut last year, but he had a you know, nice first round. He shot two under, um, then just didn't get it together in round two. Uh, shot a couple over, but um, he's had a few weeks uh, off, so he'll be fresh and raring to go. I think like- Taron's done well to establish himself on the PGA Tour. Did really well at the end of last year to get into that top 125. So yeah. hopefully he continues that. But of course, his numbers in this course, they do fit like a hand in the glove. So yeah, mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. good one. Yeah, he had a very good run. Like uh, Two missed cuts in this run, but 6th missed cut, 22nd, 7th, 20th, 27th missed cut. So something's working very well. Hopefully, yeah. he's, hopefully he... Uh, He's kept that active on his holidays. And then we're a little, getting a little bit shorter from there. I'm looking at um, Andrew Putnam, mm-hmm. 66 to 1. Um, his name is popping up all over the place on your tracker. Yeah. Is it third for strokes gained total last eight weeks? Uh, yes, he is. Tied third strokes gained total, third strokes gained putting. Second uh, around the green and seventeenth in tee to green. Yeah, so, uh, enough bits and pieces there to come together to match up with a sixty-six to one. His one PGA Tour victory was the Barracuda when they played it back then at Reno. So yeah, loves the West Coast. I think yeah. he's done well at Pebble Beach. I think he's done well pretty much at every stop off. He's even had like a top ten at um, Scottsdale. Which is a real long ball strikers course. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, no, nothing really disturbs him about this course. He's two thirtieths and a thirty sixth with a, a miscut from many many years ago. But playing good golf and I mean the difference between thirtieth and winning is a little bit of strokes gained here and there and across the different categories on the week. So let's see if he can pull it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to get short for my next pick. So do you have any uh, fifty to one is my next one. Yeah, what are you on, Paul? Um, yeah, I've, I've actually I've only backed one player so far. Um, I'm going down this, um, and you mentioned um, the Emiliano Grio uh, no, case please, from 2015. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, listen, no, no. <laughs> listen, I've, I've I've not backed Grio, but I've taken the logic from Emiliano Grio because he won the Web.com Tour Championship as it was back in 2015, as you mentioned a few minutes ago. Then won what was the Fries.com. Um, this event um, the on his next start. So following that logic, the player that fits that bill is Justin Sir, who um, we've seen, yeah, we, you know, if we've seen these players come up in hot form from the Corn Ferry, then, then he's the one. He won the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Um, his form, incoming form on the Corn Ferry coming into this, 7th, 2nd, 5th, 37th, 9th, 1st. Now, that win that he got at the Tour Championship was 21 under par. Again, that's perfect for this. I think that's right in the uh, right in the ballpark of where we're expecting the winning prior, or winning winning score to be. And he's had a fantastic Corn Ferry Tour season. He's played really, really well. He hits greens for fun. If you look through his stats, that works here, I think. Um, 58th here last year. So he's got some practical experience. He was playing nowhere near the quality of golf that he is right now. So... Um, 12 months further down the line, 55 to 1. Just insert, good enough for me. So, uh, so yeah, he's the only one that I've plumped for thus far. I have a graduate from that kind of uh, approach as well, Paul. Um, mm. He was 
leading the scoring average on the um, KFT last year. It's Taylor Montgomery. And he, yep. he ma- mashes the ball out there, but he's coming off uh, T2, T3, T4, and T9. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he didn't get the win that Justin So got, so I'm, I'm banking on that tiny bit extra hunger uh, for Montgomery. Yeah. I think Sir, I think Montgomery, they're, 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 they're probably the two to watch from that Corn Ferry group. And I mm. think over the next few weeks, we, we're going to be potentially backing them across more tournaments. Sanderson Farms could be one. Like Cameron Champ won that as a rookie, didn't he, a few years ago? Yep. And absolute mashed the ball. That could be a Montgomery or a Sir track. Mm. Hopefully, um, one yeah. of them wins this week, and we just get that one checked off, and then we just back yeah. the other yeah. one until he wins, and then it's that's the thing that always worries me about this, though, with rookies. Is that it's their first main start on the PJ? I know they've done bits and bobs, but they're actually on the tour for real now. Um, go back to Grio. Grio had had a couple of decent years on the DP European Tour before he actually mm. won the Corn Ferry, and then won this. So it wasn't as if he was a, a real rookie. I, he was he was an experienced player, Grio. But anyway, yeah, I've nothing against any of any of that really. The one I've gone for, and I, I think if you look at the top of the leaderboard and you and you look at talented American players, I've gone for there's two in this field I think are going to be super, super elite going forward. One is Sahith Tigala. Thing I find with Tigala, and I've backed him a lot recently. He can be absolutely atrocious off the tee. The one I really like, who is a fantastic driver of the golf ball. And actually, if you look at last year's PGA Tour stats, he was pretty much, uh, well, he was second in this field for birdie average in the in the full season rankings is Davis Riley. I think Riley could be the sort that becomes an, a real elite player. Um, so I managed to get on him this week at 35 to 1. Would not be surprised in the slightest if Davis Riley won his first PGA Tour event here. Mm. He has been playing some exceptional golf of late. But because the playoffs were a bit quiet for him, it doesn't kind of come through as stabbing you straight on the back of the head with the concrete block kind of form, if you see what I mean. And that's what I'm looking for. But with Riley, we've seen him go very close at the Valspar. He was runner-up in that. And that's a course that correlates quite quite well with this. You know, second at the Valspar, he finished fifth at the Mexico Open behind John Rahm and fourth at the Charles Swab Challenge. Colonial Country Club, classical golf course. Uh, that was behind Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler. So he's been mixing it with some of the best players on the planet and not looking out of sorts. So... Um, yeah, I think he also had a top 20 at the PJ Championship. Yeah, he's had top top twenty finishes at the Memorial Tournament, the Wyndham, and the PGA Championship. So yeah, I think Davis Riley. You look at his numbers; they fit like a hand in the glove. He's long enough. He's aggressive enough. Um, so I'm on Riley at thirty five to one with bet three six five each way extra, and I'm on this specialist. And he came very close within a shot of winning it last year. Maverick McNeely, twenty eight to one. I got bet three six five eight places each way on the each way extra facility. This is pretty I know I was on him last year at 50 to 1 granted. But this is mad. 7 of McNeely's last top 10 finishes have all been in California. The man's just 
he's just an amazing player of California golf courses and Poana greens. Mm. And when I look at all of the places where McNeely pops and gets top 10s, top 12s, they're all, and I mean pretty much all, on short golf courses. Put him on anything above average in terms of course length and the guy can't cope with it. Put him on something short, like a 7,123-yard par 72, which is played, I wouldn't say at altitude, but it's up there in the mountains, kind of five, 600 feet. I think McNeely, he, he, he could be another player that goes extremely well this week. And he's just been spotty. You know, he's had a couple of top 30 finishes in the FedEx Cup playoffs. So he's playing okay. He just doesn't jump out and go, oh my God, Maverick McNeely was sixth at the BMW Championship. I'm going to back him this week. But playing well enough. So yeah, 28 to 1 on McNeely with bet 365 each way extra and 35 to 1 I got. Davis Riley. So those are my five. Very good. Anything to add? No, no, no more bets for me at the moment. Um, I'll have a look at the first round leader when the when the tea times come out tonight and put my thoughts on Twitter tomorrow. But, uh, but yeah, looking forward to this week. I think I think I'm going to take on Pendrith. Adam, Adam to the bets. I, don't, I, I get the point that he'll be distracted, but I also think he'll be excited. And if he just gets himself into position, why not? So he's 28 to 1. Yeah. yeah. The case for Riley is brilliant as well, Steve. Like, he's a he's a serious player. So I can definitely see that. And it kind of matches up with what the kind of form that Sink came in with. Just unfortunately, his odds are way shorter than what Sinks were. But, yeah. Yeah. There's one player in the Italian Open... And he's a, he's a bit like Emiliano Grillo on this podcast. He's one of these players that she'll never be spoken about. Rafa Cabrillo Bayer. Yeah. Showed a bit yeah. recently. Never wins. No. But you can grab him at over 100 to 1 with Bet365 on their each way extra. I might have a little dab on him as well. I thought I'd leave it right to the end of the podcast because otherwise. I'd get completely shamed. Here's the bet of the week where you're burning your win stake just to get the each way payout. Most people have already tuned out of the podcast by now. So, yeah. <laughs> for, those, for the hardcore that are there, like Harry in Wimbledon, Rafa Cabrera Bayer. <laughs> oh, and do not back Emiliano Greer. Thank you, chaps, for your time. I hope your bets go well. You too, boys. Yeah. Best luck, boys. If you still are with us on the podcast, a five-star review, which would get read out most likely next week, would be much appreciated. So if you could spare 30 seconds, that'd be really, really good. And we will be back next week. Uh, what have you got next week, Paul? Uh, it's the uh, Open de France, back to Le Golf National yeah. next week. Open de France, and there's no PGA Tour event. I, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably have a little bit of a chat about the President's Cup, but... Um, Paul is will be uh, focusing on the up and the France, so we'll see you then. Cheers. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved with all the stats and the tips and so much more. Cause it's the golf betting system, the golf.